Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Be Bougie, Be True, Be You. I'm Charlotte Jones. I hope you're having a lovely week. I mean, to me, this week really does feel like we're back to reality. Everyone's back at school, more and more people are slowly heading back to the office. And I don't know about you, but have you noticed the amount of traffic that is everywhere? It is literally back to pre-lockdown days. I mean, I got used to being quite cocky. I could really leave it till the last minute, the last few weeks going out and about. But I drove to London with my mum on Saturday. I was like, yeah, hour, hour and a half. We'll be absolutely fine. It took well over two hours and every traffic light, it just felt like gridlock again. I was like, yep, back to reality now. (laughs) I am so looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. This week, I caught up with Jerry Humphreys. Jerry is a psychic and I've been looking into and researching spirituality for pretty much around two years now. And I first met Jerry just over a year ago where I had my first reading with him. What I love about Jerry's readings are that they are so comforting because something like that can be quite nerve wracking. However, I always felt really at peace and happy when I finished a reading with Jerry. And this week we're talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about communicating with animals, which is something that before I had this chat with Jerry, I knew absolutely nothing about and I learned so much from him. If you'd like to know more about Jerry, there will be the link to his website and social media links on the description of this podcast. But instead of saying any more, let's just start this week's episode. You're listening to Be Bougie, Be True, Be You with Charlotte Jones, the podcast to chat about a little bit of anything and everything. Welcome, Jerry Humphreys. Hi, welcome. How welcome. are you? Why am I welcome? <laughs> I'm welcoming myself. How are you? Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Yes, enjoying this um hopefully long-lasting final weather yes it's a nice little end to summer it's suddenly come back for a little bit hasn't it yes but how little is a little that's what i want to know can it last to the weekend please i'm hoping so too so we'll keep our fingers crossed (laughs) so i originally met you jerry around a year ago when i was recommended to have a psychic reading with you and I've actually been back several times since because, to be honest, each time you've been so accurate, it's completely blown me away. And I've actually found it really helpful, not in terms of knowing what's coming, but just creating a certain amount of peace around different situations that are happening. It's just a nice comfort. But you're actually a man of many talents because you can also communicate with animals. And I can't wait to find out more about this. So how did you discover that you were able to read or communicate with animals it started in about 2005 i've been doing this work as a psychic medium for a fair few years now when i'm going to feel old now um (laughs) a fair few years now but it was just suggested by somebody that this could be an interesting extension and at the time i actually went and did a workshop with someone who was at the time regarded as one of the leading exponents of animal communication in europe uh, and i just felt it'd be i'd like to find out more about it because i know that i was aware of the technique but i wanted to see more about how it would apply so yes it was 2005 i then seemed to sort of just 
slightly drift away from doing the animal side of things for a couple of years after that because it was still a very new way of working and people weren't really um, aware or familiar with what it could do or how it could help. Although people in the veterinary profession were getting more aware of it, it was still seen to be a little bit sort of all weird, well, all us mediums are weird people. Um, so it <laughs> took a little. <laughs> it took a little while. That's what keeps saying the nice things. I'll be all right then. Um, it, it just took a little while for the momentum to start to pick up, and then I suppose really it's it's been over the last three, maybe four years, maybe slightly longer that it's really gone absolutely nuts, and not a week goes by when I don't have at least three, maybe four communications to do. That's incredible is the technique of reading an animal different to reading a human it's easier really i would have thought it would have been harder no 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 all animals work purely on the vibration of emotions and feelings right humans don't humans have this lovely thing called a cognitive brain that gets (laughs) in the way so therefore the conscious always gets in the way. But with an animal, you see, there isn't anything like that. They are purely working on emotions. And if you want the truth, you talk to an animal. If you want to know what's really going on, speak with an animal. Don't fluff about with a human being because they'll tell you all sorts of stuff that's a load of rubbish. Whereas, whereas animals don't, they just speak it like it is. So I love, it's so much to say, it's just easier. It flows. Do, well, are animals aware that we are able to communicate with them? No, because they don't have the same conscious workings in the brain as we do. Animals respond to emotion. For example, when you're teaching an animal obedience, let's say, for example, what's the most common word that you would say to an animal if you wanted it to sit? Sit. Exactly. The word, though, is irrelevant. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You could just as easily say fish and chips. But it's the tone. It's the tone of what you say and it's also the image of what you're projecting because when you said the word sit, what picture did you have in your head? You're imagining them sitting down. Exactly. So it's that thought process that and that emotional, almost subconscious connection that you're making. So the, the animal... If it's a dog, because you're saying sit, we'll pick up on that. It'll see the image that you're giving it. But the words you use makes absolutely no difference. That's fascinating. Can you please explain how you do connect with an animal? First and foremost, I, I always need a photograph. When a client comes to me for a communication, they have to send me a photograph prior to the connection. The thing about communicating with any animal, the first thing they're going to say is, who are you and what's in it for me? Because they've suddenly got this stranger trying to get in their heads and sending all these images to them. And they want to know, well, who's, you know, what do you want? What, what's it all about? So the client sends me a photograph. I will spend maybe a day or maybe sometimes slightly less than that before the client contacts me where I'm connecting with the animals, A, ask permission if it's okay to have a chat, and B, if there's anything they feel they would like to pass back to their human companion. So I do a pre-connection first, whether the animal is here or whether it's crossed over, doesn't make any difference. And then when the client rings, I can then A, give them what I've already picked up to validate that I've made the link, and then we continue to see what else comes through. And you can do this all down the phone, you don't need to be with the animal in person? Nope. 
That's, Not at all. I think that's incredible. So what reasons do people come to you? Why do they want you to be able to communicate with their pet? The reasons are many. Mainly, Charlotte, it's when people lose uh, animals, when they pass away. And they want to know, as they would, if, if it's same as with a human. Are they okay? What's going on? What happened? One thing to bear in mind is that a lot of the time I will get asked, why did it happen? And one of the things that I cannot go into is anything to do with health. Right. The rules in this country are very strict, not just with people, but with animals. So the one thing I have to say to people is, A, I will not diagnose. B, I can tell you if the animal's crossed over what I might pick up as to how it might have passed. But if you have any concerns in that area, you must speak to the right professional because that's not my job. So people want to know about an animal's welfare. You know, is it happy? Uh, am I doing the right things by my by my animal companion? Does it need anything changing? All sorts of different questions will come up. But obviously it's the, it's the ones that when they cross over that are the most, I suppose, emotional yeah. because we seem to grieve more over losing our animals than we do people. So you know, the human that's left behind wants to know, you know, is everything okay? Are they all right? Do they have anything to say? Do they forgive me? You know, that sort of thing. I can understand that. I feel that in a way we are responsible for animals in an entirely different way to how we are to people. We know that that animal relied on us for its entire life. For me, I've lost a few pets now and I think it's a sense of responsibility that you feel maybe when they pass over that is there something you've missed? I mean, are there any suggestions you could give that people could maybe be able to gain a better understanding of their animal and what if they're needing something different, if something might be wrong? It's interesting you ask that, Charlotte. We all have the ability. It's just that some people like myself are more finely tuned to it. Because animals communicate purely with feelings and emotions, essentially, so do we. It's only because, as I said, we have this annoying brain that gets in the way. But most, it is said that everybody has the ability to intuit or feel or sense what's going on. So it's not a difficult skill to teach, but it takes a lot of practice. But because it's getting a person used to using their feelings and emotions to interpret what the animal is saying back into what I would say is human language and then translating the human language back to the animal again. It said it's not something that's impossible to teach, but at the same time it ain't that easy. It just takes a lot of work, Charlotte. In a sense, are you just saying you kind of have to switch your brain off and maybe come, I would imagine, from your heart, I guess, more. It's with your, your intuition, I guess, your feelings. It's quite in the conscious down and allowing the subconscious and, yeah, the emotional side to come out so that you make that link. And this is where, see, for me, it's a natural process because I'm in that space 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whereas a lot of people are not. They're in what I call head mode 90% of the time and heart mode 10% of the time. I can agree with that. And I'm someone that I like to think I'm in heart mode more. However, sometimes it's really hard to stop your head taking over and getting in the way. What do you do to stop that happening for you? When it happens, I get little signals that it's happening. I call it um, stepping out. Okay. So something will remind me, because I've taken, this has taken years to refine this. I know when I'm in head mode, something will remind me that I am, for example, I might bang my elbow, I might stub my foot. It's just something what I would call human happens and that's my reminder, oh, Jerry, you slipped out, you've got to reconnect. And then, then I just literally 
put myself back in the right space. I, you know, I am a human being after all, but my work means that I have to be in that feeling space all of the time. But occasionally it slips, so I get reminders. See, it's so fascinating because I'd love to be able to uh, train that more. How long do you? Is it like a? Is it meditation? Do you have to train maybe through something like that? Animal communication is basically mediumship. Right. So for any mediums out there listening, they'll know exactly how that link works. It is not what I would call a psychic link because not all psychics are mediums. So it's something for for some people, it's a natural skill that can be refined quite quickly. For others, and some would say or argue that you can't teach somebody to be a medium. You either are or you aren't. But that is where a workshop would show me, for example who is able or who would be able to progress it further and who isn't and not everybody is Charlotte that otherwise I'd be out of a job (laughs) is there what percentage would you say of people you meet do you think can pass into that medium category 30 or 40 percent okay that's quite that's not I don't know for some reason I was thinking it might be around 60 or so I don't know why but no, no that's interesting so another question I think we I know I do personally in fact I had a dog a few years ago who when I think back there were a couple of symptoms I missed but I did not realize how poorly she was until the day we had to take her to the vets and find out that we literally had hours left with her but yet I noticed that if I'm having a down day or a day where I'm poorly if I've got a migraine or something like that my pets particularly my cats as well they they seem to notice because they behave differently around you how do they know that you're not feeling well if you obviously can't say it to them outright okay this goes back to if you're having a bad headache like a migraine you're not sitting there saying to your cat i've got a migraine no how do you feel poorly so how what do you believe you're transmitting then you're like a beacon what do you what signals do you you feel you're sending out well, so would they feel the pain that you're feeling if you're transmitting like a pain in the head, in the side of the head? They will pick up what you're feeling, Charlotte. That's why they'll behave differently around you. Because your your emotions change. Instead of being all happy, bright and full of the joys, it's like, oh, leave me alone, I've got a stonking headache. Therefore, your energy changes and that's what animals will pick up on honestly I've said it but I just find it so fascinating and in fact the last reading I actually had with you we briefly discussed my cat Louis because he's 18 now he was very poor I mean he still is but he's actually fingers crossed he's doing quite well at the moment but you mentioned to me that sometimes animals need permission from us so that they can pass over what did you mean by that exactly it's my opinion this is purely my opinion Charlotte because obviously others might disagree with me on this but this is what I find from experience We all have a purpose in life, whether we are um, human or animal. It's my opinion that animals find us or we are put together for a reason. All animals that come into our life circle are there for a reason, whether it's for companionship, whether it's for healing. It's a two-way process. The thing with animals is that they just want to help and serve us the best way possible. Most animals that we will have domestic animals like cats dogs etc they give us some sort of healing because when we're down they cheer us up when we don't feel well they're there to give us comfort you know they might just snuggle up and say you're not feeling well mum as far as they're concerned they don't want to leave you if you're not you know if you're not good even if it's the end of their life's path so sometimes we have to say to them look you've fulfilled your purpose here it's been absolutely wonderful but I feel it's your time to cross over or the vet has said it's your time to, you know it's your time now 
So I, I'm just going to say I give you permission that whenever you feel it's your time, it will happen. But that must be so hard, especially for so many of us. You know, we love our pets as if they were our children, you know. So to be able to get oh, yeah. to that place where you can say, You're, I'm okay for you to leave. I mean, I have to admit, I don't think I could do it. After you said that to me, I remember looking at him saying, you can't go yet, not yet. You... And luckily, <laughs> he's not showing any signs of pain at the moment. So I no. know he's okay. But yeah, I have to admit, I panicked a bit and I thought, no, not yet. And, I, and it's that same feeling, I guess. Charlotte, we all have two points on our soul contract one of which is when we step onto mother earth the other is when we step off that's the same for people as it is for animals we are sometimes able to look at a a soul contract to see and it's very rare that we see the stepping off point but we all have that no matter i don't care who you are where you're from we all have those two points an animal is no different from a human it's a sentient being it has its entry point and exit point the thing is, whether it's by intervention from a professional, whether it's by natural causes, etc., when it is time, there's nothing anyone, and I mean anyone, can do to change it. Yeah, of course. What signs could we look out for from our pets that if we were to pay a little bit more attention to them, is there, I mean, is it the way that they are with you? Is it the way they are with themselves? Because I only seem to notice with my pets when they are really poorly, where, and they've probably been poorly for weeks, if not months beforehand. I don't feel, from what you were saying there about everybody having a purpose and how animals are there to be be there for us, what do we give to animals? Because I feel that they give so much to us. I, apart from the obvious, you know, feeding them, and what do they get from us? Because I think that they give us... I mean, they give so many people's life a meaning when they felt their life had no purpose. And I don't know if we do the same for animals. Imagine you go to a rescue centre. Yeah. And in a kennel or a cage is either a small fluffy cat or a dog. What do you think it's crying out for? Love. Exactly. End of story. Why are they so much in that way then? They are, I feel they are low maintenance compared yeah. to a human because a human doesn't oh, just yeah. want love they want attention they want oh, this they want that like, they want money yeah they want... exactly they want material yes. material possessions money work you know a nice house a nice car and all the animal wants is peace love food comfort and somebody they can share and something or someone they can share with and that's the basic you know you give an animal your love, your shelter, your time, your dedication, you look after their well-being. They can't tell you when they feel poorly. That's when the feeling side comes into it, you know. that That's what do you look for. It, this is where, as I said earlier, you have to be really fine-tuned emotionally because you'll just sense when something's not quite right. With the fine-tuning that, what what could I do? So if my cat, because he is he is on medication, what could I do to notice where maybe he needs to go back to the vets? Maybe he just needs to have a second opinion. In my mind, what could I do to be able to pick up on that before he shows physical symptoms? This is called being present. Being present means you have all your five major senses connected and working together. That's your sight, sound, smell, touch taste and in order to be able to pick up or sense feel what your cat is going through you would need to be in that present space but you would need to be in it all of the time that doesn't mean to say that your cognitive processes aren't working at the same time because of course they are but that in itself charlotte is an art form really 
Yeah. 99% of human beings do not understand or learn or know how to be present because life doesn't allow us to be. So that's why people will come to me to ask what, you know, can you sense anything? And if I could, if I sensed there was something that wasn't right, I would say, you need to go and consult your vet. I will not diagnose, but that should be sufficient. Right. Yeah. And it's so true that you say that because the amount of times I'll be sitting on the sofa and thinking, I want to be present and I'll be telling myself, like, watch what you're doing, but I'll pick my phone up. I'll find something else to to fiddle with. I actually (laughs) think it's more common for me to be completely distracted than it is to be present, no matter how much my intention seems to be that I want to be present. It just feels insanely hard sometimes. It is, Charlotte, because, as I said, it's not something that a human is used to doing. And that's why when I'm teaching this, it can take months, and I mean months, just to get that bit off pat. Have we done that to ourselves, though? Because, obviously, so many of the distractions are man-made. Of course. In the 21st century in which we live, there's enough out there to distract us. I mean, look at the the events that have been happening since March of this year in the UK. You know, everybody's been on total lockdown. And that in itself has has brought forward and presented a huge different set of problems for people. Going back maybe three, four, five centuries, more people were much more aware of what the planet was telling them. You know, we didn't have necessity for doctors as such medications as such everything was natural because we learned how to live off it's like the native americans they learn how to live off mother you know and with mother nature in the western society in particular we're governed by what time do the shops open what's on telly tonight what do i need to cook for dinner where's my next job coming from how much money have i earned this month and we don't realize in a way how abnormal that actually is i know on the surface to everybody that is how we live our day-to-day lives but we have created all of that. None of that is how we were supposed to live. Exactly. Whereas animals are just lying there going, this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mum, how are you doing? Are you all right? Oh, Didn't like that food you gave me earlier, but it wasn't too bad, I suppose. Oh. I'm going to go to sleep now. You know, that's what animals do. They just, you know, why should they care? Is it just an extra bonus for them if they get a nice big comfy bed to sleep on rather than being outside type of thing? True, but then obviously... <laughs> We won't go from the realm of domestic animals to wild animals because that's obviously an entirely, entirely different scenario. If, are you able to connect with wild animals as well or is it just more pets that are in Yeah, the I've home? had a few interesting experiences with wild animals. Could you share any with us? Yeah, I'd, well, I'd say wild. It was sort of wild but domesticated. But somebody that I knew once had this, and I mean huge, snake. And, I, and I'm, I'm terrified of snakes. <laughs> You too. I, I know, it's like, no, 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 no. But this snake, he used to bring it out, let it out of its home, as it were, and it used to just slide around the floor. And he asked me if I could pick anything up about the snake. And I, and I thought, are you kidding me? Uh, that, that's a snake. <laughs> but So I had to put myself aside and climb down off the chair and st- <laughs> stop, stop panicking. So then I was able to communicate with the snake and the snake tell me what, you know, what the snake wanted to say and how it felt and etc and I passed this over to the person and he said how did you know that I said because you asked me to talk to your snake wow and I've done a couple of other literally well say wild animals there are animals that were in uh, captivity like in a in a zoo I've I've had to do a couple of those for someone because their welfare wasn't they were worried about the welfare but it's the same it doesn't matter you go through the same process you do exactly the same thing, you communicate at exactly the same level, 
It's just that you're dealing with a snake or a tiger rather than a cat. Do you ever hear anything from them that is that is quite upsetting to to have to relay that message? Is there something that, you know, because obviously you're having to deal with this, like you said, every day. How do you not let the emotions of, especially when it's talking about death and passing over, how do you not let that affect you? Well, for the simple reason that I don't do what are called death readings. Right. When somebody comes to me for a communication, if the animal is still with them, what they want to know is, how is it? Is it going to be okay? It is my job to bring them uh, peace and clarity and validations that no matter what, everything's going to be fine. It's the same when an animal passes over. The one thing the human wants to know is, is it okay? So therefore I have to bring a validation in that shows them that everything is okay because they need to find their peace. Yes. Have you ever been in contact with an animal that's that's passed over that maybe hasn't quite found peace yet? Is there anything that goes on there? It's generally believed, Charlotte, that when a soul crosses back into spirit again, in our time, it's about... It's about three weeks from the time it crosses over to the time when the strength of communication can be really positive. So just after an animal passes and then three weeks later it'll be it'll be strong again. Sometimes the animal wants to let me know if there's anything that maybe was slightly untoward. Right. But that's not, I'm not going to then blurt that out to the human companion unless they ask. Okay. It depends what I'm asked. Okay. But say generally, it's it's to make the person feel happy, to show them that the animal's soul has been released, that it's in the light, over the rainbow bridge, receiving some healing, and then can reconnect again. I feel like you've partly answered this question, but if somebody was to come to you for a pet, and I'm actually, the when you're talking, I keep getting a particular pet of mine. It was a horse, actually, that I used to loan when I was, oh, I would have been maybe 10 and she was just my favourite horse ever. And I loved her to bits, but I outgrew horses for a while. And I outgrew her. I got too tall for her. And a couple of years later, someone passed on, you know, word of mouth, I found out that she had passed away. And so obviously that was a long time ago now. But if I was to come to you and say, can you connect with Peanuts was her name? <laughs> um, is that something at this point you would still be able to do? Or is that too far in the past now? No. No, because there's no time in spirit, so everything is in the present, Charlotte. Really? If you, as long as you had a photo of Peanuts. Yeah. i tell you what I'm picking up straight away. Did Peanuts used to kick the stable door a lot? Yes. Right, I've got her. I've got her here. Okay. Really? I've, yes. Okay. Is, is there... Uh, oh, she's shaking her head up and down a lot now. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, didn't like her mane being tugged. No, no, she didn't. And she was very cheeky. She's well. She was strong-willed. Yes. So therefore, she knew what she wanted to do when she wanted to do it, and no matter what you would, if you had a different point of view, it's like, sorry, I don't care. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> yep, yep. The amount of jumps we were supposed to go over, and she'd just be like, nope, sorry, but she'd wait to the last second and then dart off and say, no, nope, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I, I can see her clear as day. So yeah, it's it, and that's without a photograph. Yeah, that's amazing. Because also, I think the reason I feel so connected to her is I had a few horses and I loved them all. But for some reason, I felt I just had this connection with her. I just felt very safe. I used to be quite nervous. So if a horse played up, started jumping around, I'd get very panicky. However, if she did that, I didn't. I was able to just ride it out and I felt very safe. So I just felt like I've always had a connection. But because obviously... I outgrew her and then she passed away. It was one of those where you never got any... What's... um. 
Closure. Closure, exactly. But that was really lovely to hear. So thank you so much for that. That's right, you're welcome. See, that again, that's what is important to people. They need closure. I had a, a lady ring me up about three or four weeks ago who just lost one of her beloved dogs. I mean, and she was absolutely distraught. The day before, I was I do the same process. I visualised the photograph in my mind's eye, asked the dog, etc., etc. But all I could hear was Pharrell Williams singing "I'm So Happy," and this song was going round and round in my head, and it was doing it was driving me nuts. <laughs> anyway, she rang up. When she rang up, I said, "Look, I'm sorry." I said, "I have to give you this because I know how distraught you are." I said, but all I can hear is Pharrell Williams singing I'm So Happy because that's what your dog's giving me. And she said, oh, my God, that's the ringtone on my mobile. <gasps> that's insane. And, then, and she said, now I know. She said, you can't make this up. I said, if it's brought you some peace in, those, in that one sentence, that's my job done. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And I think the fact that as human beings we have... I think we do have such a huge fear around death, which, you know, is understandable. But I do feel like conversations like this and being able to connect with spirits like this, it takes so much of that fear away, doesn't it? It does and it doesn't. Okay. See, the thing is, what the work that we do, Charlotte, is something we cannot prove. No matter how many scientists are working with near-death experience, etc., etc., we cannot prove any of this. So does it take the fear away? I would say that it helps, but it doesn't stop it. Not for people. See, for animals, it's just a natural progression. Their spirit will cross over. The spirit of that animal will will remain connected with its human companion and hopefully will let the human companion know that it's still around. People are different, you see, because we try and rationalise everything. So that's why sometimes people look at me and go, you're weird. And I say, well, yes, I know I'm weird, <laughs> but... When you need a bit of weirdness, you come and ask me and I'll help you to find your own peace. Well, I have to be honest, I generally have felt quite terrified around death. But I have to, in the last couple of years since I've been getting in touch with my spiritual side more. And I have to say, learning from animals by seeing how unfazed by death they are. I mean, my poor dog, bless her, the day, you know, we were all crying our eyes out. We took her home for a couple of hours and we were giving her lots of custard creams and just basically spoiling her as much as possible. And I remember my mum and my brother were taking her to the vet and I was staying behind with the other dog. And I went to just give her one last cuddle and she wagged her tail and she gave me like the biggest kiss on the cheek. And I think she knew at this point she was so weak. She knew what was happening. And it was like she was still comforting me in her very go. last moments. And, I and think... she felt sick from the custard creams, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, she didn't stop. As poorly as she was, every time she had that biscuit tin, her ears, what's that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Another one. <laughs> well, you want to give me another biscuit, mum? That's all right. I'll eat it. <laughs> and I have to say that from seeing that, though, the fear that I used to have, it just made me feel, it is, it's peaceful. It's that it can't be, it's a split moment. I think we're so scared of that initial moment of what's going to happen right after but it's like anything, it's like ripping a plaster off. And if you realise that once you pass through, it's just, it's peaceful. There's something very calming about that, I find. I totally agree. But it also doesn't stop human beings then uh, in moments just going, oh, I've only got, oh God, I've been on this planet how long? Oh my God, I haven't got long to go. You know, And every now and again you get that scary 
human because as I said that's why we are human we get these scary thoughts yeah but the more this is this is what my role is about communicating with animals is to show people that hopefully they can see that it is it's another step it's another journey on what could be several journeys it's another journey on what could have been several journeys already it's a it's a progression well I think you do it so well and since I have been coming to you for readings just for myself I have found them like I said at the beginning I found them hugely helpful and they give me a sense of inner control when everything around feels out of control so thank you for that it's a pleasure that's what it's about Charlotte we are not here to give you answers we're here to empower you to find your own whether it's through mediumship to a personal uh, readings about an an animal it's the same thing it helps you to find your own answers and you do it so well so let everybody know if they wanted to find out more about you or book a reading with you how can they find you simplest way is to go to my website which is senseofknowing.co.uk there are pages there that are showing all the different therapies I work with, the animal communication. There is a form on the contact page uh, that you can fill in and just hit the submit button. It'll whiz an email off to me. Obviously, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, etc., etc. Or just Google my name. And fortunately, at the moment, I seem to come up fairly high up a list. So there's several different ways, but the website is primarily the best. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of that. And what I will make sure I'll do is I will put the link to your website and your social media on the description of this episode as well so people can find that there but thank you so much thank you i thoroughly enjoyed it charlotte take care 